Well, it's not Armando Baycott or Caleb Love or Leaky Black or RJ Davis taking down the future number one overall pick, Paolo Bancaro, or sending Coach K off into his retirement. But the Heels once again have a chance to knock off the Blue Devils on Saturday and take another step forward in the ACC football standings. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, October 14th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as he does every Friday is the man Anthony Pagnotta here to help us preview this game. want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. This episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Carolina and Duke, available on the ACC Network right on Sling. The TV you love for the price you love. Try it today. Okay, Pagnata. Man, Carolina coming off a big-time win down in Miami last weekend, moving now to 2-0 in the conference, 4-0 on the road. How important was that victory? It was huge, man. You talk about, you know, validating what Carolina has done on the road so far this year. I think this win really did it because you did it against the conference opponent. You did it against the team that, look, I, I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten it, but this was the preseason favorite in the ACC Coastal. So that counts for something. I know that Tyler Van Dyke had a sensational performance. There's no doubt about it, but Carolina's defense did exactly what they had to do. And I know that's shocking, right? Carolina won a game where their defense played well and their offense kind of stuttered a little bit. Um, but this is this is kind of what we were looking for from this squad. Now, I don't know if we thought that we were going to get what we got. Two turnovers uh, also held them to two, you know, fourth down uh, turnovers. So, I mean, Carolina did a tremendous job, uh, I thought, of, you know, d- winning a game in a way that they have not had to so far this year. Um, and I, I think now, you know, you look, Carolina's won three one-score games so far this year, and they've all been games on the road. We're talking about a team last year that did not win a single game away from Chapel Hill, including in Charlotte, right down the road. So, I mean, it's it's a completely night and day feel around this team. And the thing is, is, I mean, you go back and you look at how you were feeling after that game against Notre Dame. And look, I think a lot of people were definitely questioning how big of a win that actually was against Virginia Tech. But this one, I I get it. You could still say Miami, how great of a team are they? But Carolina beat a team that we thought, okay, still has a legitimate chance to win the Coastal. I think it's becoming very clear now that, you know, especially after what happened around the rest of the Coastal this weekend, Carolina is the team that's in the driver's seat. and, And they're feeling like, they're the team that should be able to win this division. They've got enough talent to do so. And if they can get that type of performance defensively, that's all we're asking for. We just need, if you can be the bend, don't break defense that you were in 2015, man, that offense is just as good, if not better at times, than that offense was back in that that's season right. where they went 11-1. and one. And I think this team is more than capable of, Maybe replicating that. I think they've got some tougher games than that 15 team had 
later on on the schedule because Wake Forest and NC State are certainly better uh, than some of the teams Carolina played in 15. But it's definitely a recipe that I think can provide a lot of success still. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, you talked about some of that coastal craziness. Georgia Tech is number two in the coastal right behind North Carolina. We all saw that coming, right? So a uh, quick pop quiz for you. Carolina is looking, Anthony, to go 4-0 and on the road. Last time the Tar Heels started off 4-0 and on the road was when? So are these in all true road games? All true road games, yes. So it would be 2015. That's got to be it, right? Or, no, or oh, is it 20? Uh, did they do it in 16? They did. It's they did it in 16. That's so, right. So at Illinois, at FSU, Miami, and Virginia, lone yeah. road loss that, that season, right. apropos to this week, lone road loss was at Duke. So The game Carol- that I say all the time kind of, shifted the momentum in the Larry Fedora era too. Everything sort of changed on that Thursday night where they had the lead, couldn't put it in the end zone to sort of extend it. And I think it changed everything. So hopefully that's not what we're looking at here. Yes, hopefully not. Hopefully Carolina can indeed go 4-0 and on the road for the first time since that 2016 season. Obviously, as Anthony said, they did it. Uh, started off at least 4-0 and on the road in 2015. I think they went undefeated on the road, in fact, that mm-hmm. season. Now, as Anthony also said, Carolina has everything in front of them right now to win the ACC Coastal if they keep doing what they've been doing. In fact, they have moved now on Bet Online to having the second highest odds to win the ACC behind only Clemson because, as Anthony said, they are in the driver's seat for this ACC Coastal. So lots to look at there. Now, Anthony, something else you mentioned is that Yeah, Carolina kind of won this or at least held on to it with their defense last week because the offense did sputter a little bit. Only six points in the second half, two field Mm -hmm. goals. Um, Drake May came back down to earth ever so slightly, had that pick right before and right after halftime, but still finished with over 300 yards, still finished with two passing touchdowns, including that ridiculous touchdown to Josh Downs that we saw. Um, Still tied for the national lead with C.J. Stroud in most total touchdowns responsible for what kind of response do you think he personally will have this week well i i expect him to be a guy that's going to bounce back you know one of the things that we heard i think we've all heard this story by now is we heard the story of him going over to mac brown's house and playing ping pong when he was a recruit and just being uber competitive a guy that did not like to lose and mac brown said in his press conference on monday that this is a guy that is like me he is extremely hard on himself maybe even harder sometimes than he has to be Um, I think with that, you know, it's a guy that's going to come out motivated to sort of correct any of the wrongs that he did. And here's the thing. We're sitting here talking about a down, quote, down performance (laughs) from Drake May. He threw for over 300 yards, including a first half where he threw for 253 and two touchdowns. Like, I mean, that's insanity to say, man, that was a down day for him. But yeah, I mean, I think there were some moments. (laughs) He only threw for 56 yards in the second half. There's no doubt about that. It was noticeable that the offense wasn't able to move the ball uh, like they wanted to. It it looked a little bit like we saw sort of in the middle of the game against Notre Dame. But there was one key difference in this game, I thought. When they needed that drive to extend the lead to 10, you saw him sort of change his game, too. 
he knew that, look, we have to be able to do it on the ground. And you saw, you know, some of what we saw from Sam Howell last year, where it was, I need to just, you know, bring what I can to the running game, be composed. But he he leaned on his running back, which, by the way, was not Caleb Hood, who was having a great day to that point. Caleb was already out of the game. He That's had right. to lean on Amari and Hampton. That's right. Look, Amari has done some good things. But you're starting to see why he's a freshman, why things are catching up to him. They're a little bit fast out there. And still, he trusted in him. He made the plays that he had to make. And that's the thing that I think you should like the most about this guy is that he's just going to take what is given to him. There were times where it felt like, and to be honest with you, I think he was such a good player that it just worked out for him. But there were times that Sam Howe would force things. Um, he just had he he just had that playmaker ability in him that man he would somehow make a great play out of it. With Drake, it doesn't seem like anything is ever forced. He's always taken mm. what is given to him, and he did it even in that second half. So I'm not worried really at all about him. Um, I don't know. Look, is is it going to be a performance where he comes out and just absolutely destroys somebody? I, I'm not going that far. But I'm not worried about the mentality of this young man. This is a dude that has grown up his entire life playing in these types of moments. He did it back in high school. I mean, he had off games in high school, and he just bounced right back. So he'll be perfectly fine. I don't think there's any need to panic. And, I mean, look, again, you look at the stats. You look at where he's at. People cannot take this lightly. I still have people, mainly NC State fans, that are trying to tell me that, look, man, he hasn't played nobody. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. Well, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy through six games that is putting up the best numbers that a freshman has ever put up in the ACC, um, is putting up some of the best numbers overall in the history of an ACC regular season. And, you know, look, is doing it with a team that, you know, as of right now, yeah, they might not have faced the competition that a lot of these other guys have. But, look, it's it's a team that's playing the competition that's in front of them. So how are you going to blame him for just beating up on the teams that are there? He's doing what he has to do, and he's uh, to be hanging out in the same company as a guy like C.J. Stroud, who a lot of people think could go number one in the NFL draft. To me, that tells you all you need to know about him. Absolutely. No worries about Drake May. That drive you went on, like eight minutes and 21 seconds, I believe it was, to basically leave Miami with almost no time to get two scores. Great drive, did exactly what it needed to be done. We're going to look more at that Carolina offense, what they will do at Duke this weekend, right after I tell you about Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. I've created my own account with Underdog, and I'll tell you what I'm looking for this weekend. The Carolina Duke over-unders aren't up yet, but man, I do not expect anything to be under for Drake May. I think, as Anthony was just talking about, you can probably go ahead and safely take the over on him. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just the Tar Heels, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there, and you can win cold hard cash in a single game. Sign up with promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On, all one word. Get in on the college football pick'em pick action today. 
okay, Anthony, we're looking at this offense that for the first time this season was held under 30 points last week, but it was still enough. Carolina is averaging the eighth most points in the nation, has the eighth most average total yards per game in the nation, but Duke is allowing under 20 points per game. Something's got to give here. What are you looking for? Well, I, I think, you know, first you, you want to see how Carolina can run the ball in this game because they did a good job with their running backs uh, down in Miami. I thought for the most part, and again, faced with some odd situations, there's no doubt about it because you, you know, had a, an extremely productive day going from Caleb Hood. And then all of a sudden he exits with an injury. Uh, you're talking about a guy that led you in total offense, led everybody that played in the game in total offense with 124 yards. So uh, hopefully he's able to get back out there, but you want to see Carolina be able to establish the run because that's going to open up everything else. Uh, this Duke team, though, is a team that is struggling in the secondary. So you want to see Drake may be able to spread that ball around yet again. I want to see him get those tight ends involved. I know last week Miami did a really good job of taking yeah. those guys away. We'll yep. go after that this week. Look, this Duke team, they've let up some yards in the middle of the field, very similar to what Carolina's done. But really, it's all over. There is only one guy on their defense right now that has played under snaps that is allowing a quarterback rating in coverage of lower than 87.1. So you, there, there are a bunch of guys that you can have success against. Let's take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, let's see Drake may get into a little bit of a rhythm, but at all star on the ground. And then the other thing for me, you know, I sort of talked about it a little bit there with Drake May, uh, or excuse me, with Caleb Hood. Um, the injuries, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about the injuries on this side of the ball. Defensively, look, Carolina is without a, a, a group of guys, and there's no doubt that it's felt like we should be concerned there. But look, Ray Boasik was out. Kevin Hester played really well in his spot. Don Chapman's been out. Well, you're hoping you can get Jaquarius Conley back. On the offensive side of the ball, man, the running back room They've struggled with some inconsistencies. You got Caleb Hood going, and all of a sudden, we we don't really know what his status is. It's a good thing I feel like that they didn't really say they're monitoring him throughout yep. this week. Yep. Yep. But I'm not really sure he could be one of those guys that pops up on there, you know, on on game day, and all of a sudden he's not playing, and we're saying, okay, well, that's that's not great. What do we do now? Um, the other concern for me, and I think the biggest one. It's William Barnes, though. You talk mm. about a guy that has just taken a monster leap this year. They've gotten him in there at that right guard spot, and I think he has been phenomenal. And Carolina now is going to have to slide in Jonathan Adorno, who I don't think has really played bad, but you can tell that there is a little bit of a drop-off from That's a right. guy in William Barnes who I'm going to tell you, the way he's been playing should probably get some all-conference recognition. This dude has been a huge difference maker on that offensive line this year, especially in pass protection. So what does this team look like? Are those areas where Carolina could get exposed a little bit because they don't have those guys out there? That's what I'm keeping an eye on when the Tar Heels are on offense. Yeah, and and if Caleb Hood isn't able to go or is not a full go, maybe we see Omari and Hampton back in the starting lineup. And at that point, you're relying maybe on a, a healthy, heavy dose of he and George Petaway to carry the load in the backfield. And, and you hope that that's enough. And we'll just have to wait and see on that. I love your point about the tight ends. Miami did indeed do a good job on them last week, especially 
with Bryson Nesbitt coming off a career high in reception in receiving yards the week before. And so hopefully they can be back in and heavily active in the passing game to help uh, take the load off of Josh Downs and Antoine Green outside. Now we did have last week that huge touchdown to J.J. Jones. What are you seeing out of some of these receivers, Anthony, that excites you? Well, I mean, look, one of the things is I think all these guys have kind of had to elevate their game because of the return of Josh Downs and Antoine Green because they know that, look, the the playing time is just not there right now because these two guys are almost always going to be on the field. You know, J.J. Jones, I think he settled into the role that a lot of people, including myself, sort of envisioned for him when he arrived to campus. Um, This is a guy that should be able to take the top off of defenses because he's got the speed, and he's doing that. He's doing that consistently every week. Now, the thing is, is if you go back and watch where a majority of his production comes from, it's usually early in the game. Honestly, it's usually in the first quarter, one of the first couple of drives, and then he kind of disappears for the rest Hmm. of the day. I want to see him sort of become that more consistent guy that, you know, even if he's not going deep, you know, 30, 40-yard passes – He's a guy that can sort of develop into, you know, running some of those post patterns and getting open more consistently, being a guy that can catch four or five passes a game as opposed to just one or two passes a game. That's where I'm hoping he can step up and elevate himself. And then, you know, when it comes to the other guys, you've seen that a lot of those guys' times have been cut. There's no doubt about it. Their reps have gone down. But it seems like whenever they do get opportunities to get out there on the field, they are making the most of them. And I think that, you know, they're still going to be ready to go if they are needed at some point. We saw Kobe Pesor, who literally came in and, you know, straight off the bench produced two of the best receiving games of the season so far this year. Um, Gavin Blackwell's had his moments as well. But I think what you've seen is that even with how good, as good as those guys were performing, Guys like Josh Downs and Antoine Green, they just take this offense to a whole nother level. You cannot keep those guys off the field. And I think the good thing is, is that I, I we, we heard back in the spring that this was a group at wide receiver that Mac Brown was a little concerned about in terms of depth. I think as we sit here now, there is no reason to be concerned at <laughs> all about the depth in this None. Season. No, absolutely. Great, great words there, Anthony. Love to hear that. Well, as we have talked about earlier, it was the defense that really helped win this game last week at Miami. We want to look more at how this game is going to play out when the Tar Heels are on defense right after I remind you about our drive for five. We are having weekly drawings leading up to the tip-off of the Carolina basketball season, which is now less than a month away. All you have to do to be entered into this week's drawing is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we will have a drawing on Saturday ahead of the football game. This week's prize, oh, it is a Carolina bucket hat, perfect for fishing, going to a football game, protecting that bald head from the sun, whatever it may be. All you got to do to enter our drive for five is subscribe to the Carolina Locked on Tar Heels YouTube page. Thanks so much for joining us in this effort. All right, Pagnata, something I was really excited to see last week in particular, not just those fourth down take, uh, the fourth quarter takeaways, but man, that goal line stop when Miami had the ball first and goal at the two, Carolina stuffed them, got the ball back, turnover on downs, huge play, and then a 99-yard drive for a touchdown. Uh, was that, my, my first question to you, was that potentially a turning point for this defensive front that we have kind of looked at as maybe a liability so far this season. 
I mean, it could be, certainly. Um, that was the best game that they played, no doubt in my mind, so far this season. Um, and it kind of brings about a lot of questions. You know, first, I think, is from a lot of people, why haven't we been able to duplicate this this season? <laughs> I will say, though, what I, what I thought was going to happen sort of happened. You saw the weakness of the interior of that Miami offensive line. I, I was looking at that before yeah. that game last week, and you saw a unit that struggled. But my thing was – is look, the thing that they struggle with the most is not physicality. It's how they handle things technically. So, mm. and with physical teams, Carolina always struggled. Look at the game against Notre Dame. That's a team that just bullied them up front. You didn't see that in this game. You saw a team that came ready for a fight, and it started from the minute that Carolina got on the field. That was the thing for me was right off the, off the start, you saw a team that was ready to come out and stop the run. Look, they held this Miami team that was one of the more consistent running teams so far to start the season in the ACC to 41 yards rushing. That is the fewest that they have held an opponent to since they held Virginia to 24 last year. And if you remember that Virginia team, they were not a team that came in running the ball well at all. They We knew that Carolina was going to be able to stop that running game. No one expected this against this running game from Miami. So for Carolina to do what they did was huge. And I think now you really have to question, man, Ray Voasic was out of the lineup and that group looked better. I'm not saying that Voasic won't be a guy that is still a contrarian. Kevin Hester Jr. comes out and plays well yet again. If Keyshawn Silver continues to show up, do we need to start seeing more rotation no. up front? Yep. Does Kevin yep. Hester need to start up front? Like, that's the point that you're at. And I think you started seeing more rotation. This has been the last couple of weeks, though, too. Is you saw it against Virginia Tech as well. The edge rushers, guys are starting to get subbed out. And I think you're seeing motivation for some of these other guys. Des Evans, I thought, probably had one of his best games I in agree. a long time I the agree. other day. And part of that was because, well, hey, man, there were times early in the game where they said, you're not going to step up. We're going to put your Colby Cowan on the field. So we're going to rotate other guys in. That's what I've been asking for from them is, hey, just hold these guys accountable. Let's start getting some of these other talented players in there because if they're not effective up front, man, we got somebody behind you that's a four, five-star as well. Let's throw them in there and see what they got. And I think this is the most encouraged that I have felt leaving a wow. game for Carolina in a while. I, I know, you know, last year their defensive line had a good performance against this Duke Blue Devil team that they're about to play. But we knew that that was a weaker offensive line. With Miami, that was an offensive line that had been extremely weak in previous years, but was kind of looking like Carolina's line had looked so far this year. They had taken yeah. some steps. They were solid. And Carolina won that battle up front. So I, I'm extremely encouraged about what Carolina has going on up front. And I think the other thing, I forgot to shout them out. The guy that's been the most consistent up there and deserves a ton of credit for what Carolina has done defensively. And at the end of the year, if, if this is a really good unit, a, a unit that has turned the corner and it looks average, deserves credit as a leader, is Noah Taylor. That dude has been a huge difference maker for this Tar Heel team. And he shows up every single week. He did it again on Saturday and was huge for Carolina. Good, 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 good. Love that. Anything else that you're watching out for when Duke has the ball on Saturday? Well, I mean, look, we got to take a look at that that defensive backfield again. <laughs> and right. what is what is that group doing? Are they are they trying to show some sort of resistance to what Duke is doing? Because look, 
I know there. I, I kind of got into a little bit of a back and forth with uh, my co-host Josh Marlowe on our podcast, breaking it down. Um, and he said, "Look, you know, if, that, if they're going to give up those yards, it doesn't matter if they're not giving up the points." I get it. I get. I'm I'm with that strategy. But my problem is, is how sustainable is that strategy? It's week not. To week? It's you not. You can't give up over 500 yards of offense and 495 through the air every week and think, "Hey, man, we're going to find a way to win, no matter what." So Carolina's got to find a way to be able to slow that down. I know some people have said, well, the pressure is not getting to the quarterback. I watched that game the other day. I thought that was easily the most pressure they've gotten on an opposing quarterback so far this season, especially if you're looking at it just consistency-wise. So it's on these guys. Really, it's it's on guys to be able to tackle in open space. This is a zone-heavy scheme. I don't know why. Personally, I think this is a group that has guys that can play one-on-one man coverage. We've seen it from Tony Grimes. I know that Storm Duck has had his troubles at times this year, but I thought he played his best game of the year on Saturday. Um, I think this group, they, they I want to see more man coverage, but I don't know if we are. So the key to it is if you're keeping everything in front of you, which is something that we've heard from this coaching staff before, you have to be able to tackle well. A guy like Giovanni Biggers, who missed four tackles the other day, three of them in coverage, man, you've got to be able to wrap up. And the thing is, from both Biggers and Cameron Kelly, you got to have guys that just take better angles to the football. Because yeah. there are times where you are just left scratching your head, saying, where in the world are you going on these plays? So that is my concern for that group. But my thing is, is, look, you did some really good things against Virginia Tech. I get it wasn't a great quarterback that you were facing, but you were a sound group. You were where you needed to be because your defensive line didn't play as good in that game as they played they down yep. in South Florida. That's right. So let's start seeing more of that. And then the other thing that I'm keeping an eye on in this game is how does Carolina contain the quarterback run? Because this is the first time since Georgia State that we're going to face a running quarterback. And look, Darren Granger did some good things. Now, Riley Leonard, he's run for over 200 yards already this season. He's already run for four touchdowns. So when you talk about their running game, which is right now, I think maybe the best in the ACC, actually. They're averaging 190 yards per game on the ground. It's not just the backs. They got three of those that you have to try to slow down. It's also the quarterback. And we know Carolina has had trouble with running quarterbacks Sit probably since Butch Davis was here, maybe even before that. That is one thing that has always been a thorn in their side. So my thing is, is look, you're coming off of a tremendous performance from both Power Eccles and Cedric Gray. Man, Can those guys replicate that in this game? Yeah. And there's probably going to be a guy that's going to have to, quote unquote, spy the quarterback. I think that'll be Power Eccles. Can Power Eccles be the guy that can hunt down Riley Leonard in space and prevent him from hurting them on the ground. If they can do that, I think Carolina's defense has a chance to put up another really solid performance against the Blue Devils, a team that if you go back and look, even when Carolina's defenses have been struggling, they've always seemed to come to play against the Blue Devils. Although the team on the other side, they always seem to come to play too. As well. <laughs> yes, hopefully it's not going to take a Chaz Surratt interception in the end zone to seal this one. Oh boy, howdy. That was... 
I was struggling. As stressful that as it gets, man. That in was the stadium. St- it was oh, <laughs> pulling out hair and everything like that. <laughs> oh man, that's right. Anyway, I double checked as Pagnotta was talking there. Yeah, Duke is averaging 190.7 rushing yards this season. Got a big uh, task ahead of them to the Tar Heels. Yeah, Riley Leonard, second leading rusher on this team, just like Drake May is currently the second second mm. leading rusher for the Tar Heels. Both defense is going to have to spy the quarterbacks to to win this game. Now, let's make some quick predictions here, Anthony, and then get out of here. Carolina on Bet Online is favored by seven right now, and the over-under just just even higher than last week, sitting at 67 and a half. Where are wow. you doing in this one? Well, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've seen this rivalry a lot recently, and one of the things that I've said is it's very, very rare that you see these games get extremely high scoring. You've had some outliers. I mean, look, the last time that they played in the Chrome Helmets, they won 45 to 20 <laughs> over them. And usually what it involves is Carolina putting up just a ton of points. And Duke is, is usually just, just puts it high enough to get over that over-under. Um, for me, uh, I look at this game and I, I think it will be under. Um, I think that Carolina's defense will show up for this game. I think they're feeling good now. They're in a little bit of a groove. Um, And I I think, you know, Carolina will win. I I think they will not only win, but they'll cover the spread. I I like Carolina outright and with the cover. uh, I like them 34-21. I really think that this Toriel team is just, they are feeling it, man. They are in a little bit of a rhythm and I think there'll, there'll be some moments in this game where it'll probably be a little bit tighter. I think it'll be one of those games where, you know, going into the second half, you'll probably still have the, the final score or the result be in doubt. Um, but I think that Carolina will really show up in the second half. I think you'll see this team pull away. And I think really it'll be a moment where Drake May steps up and shows that, look, Carolina is the best team in this Coastal Division right now. I think they get another huge win. They do it on the road, and it gets into three and zero in the ACC Coastal, which is the most important thing right now. You would love to see that. Well, you and I, my friend, are very close on our predictions for this game. I've got the Tar Heels 35-24, and so just a little bit higher on the total score, but still hitting the under in Carolina, both winning and covering. Like you said, Carolina has a big opportunity to really keep staying in the driver's seat and moving further out in the ACC Coastal and would probably propel them into the AP Top 25 next week and hopefully keep moving Drake May higher in that Heisman conversation around the nation. You'd love to see it. Brother Anthony, thank you as always so much for all your great wisdom and insight. Hopefully it will be a great game Saturday night and then we'll have a chance to break it down next week. Well, friends, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. That's it for this week on Locked on Tar Heels. Please don't forget our Drive for Five. You can subscribe to the channel, be entered in the chance to win the Carolina bucket hat. And while you're there, go ahead and smash the like button, leave some comments, hit the bell so you get a notification anytime a new episode drops. Coming up next week, we will recap that game. We're going to get you, man, going towards the basketball season just a couple weeks away now. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow our guy, Anthony, at HTB. Anthony, don't forget to check in on the Heel Tough blog where he and Josh Marlowe are doing great stuff all the time. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. 
We all hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Don't do anything dumb. But man, enjoy this game and go Heels. We want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week. Peace.